What has your life on Hi-Fi? My daughter has my life on Hi-Fi. The more I pour into me, the more I pour into her. And it creates a cycle, right? Because as a daughter, she's going to naturally want to take care of her father. But I got I to gotta do all the taking care of in the beginning. <laughs> You're listening to Life on Hi-Fi, the podcast. And I'm your host, Dominic Justina. It really doesn't matter if I create a masterpiece or not. It doesn't matter who likes it. As long as I'm enjoying the process, that's all that matters. Follow me as we talk about relationships, love, purpose, passion, you name it. Focusing on what you have versus what you don't have uh, can be a huge game changer. A public expression of freedom is just, I don't know, like it was so, 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 so liberating for me. Do what you have to do. Take some time off if you need to. But when all is said and done, you got to keep moving forward let's commit to living our best lives together shall we did you know that life on hi-fi is now on youtube feel free to catch the visuals for this episode over there if you search dominic justina or click the link in bio on life on hi-fi's instagram page hi nathan welcome thank you for joining me thank you for having me (laughs) Did did i pronounce it properly yes dominic you got it right okay 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 I'm surprised 100% Jamaican. They know Dominican vibes or Dominica. Huh. <laughs> People used to call me. I have a friend who called me Dominica, actually, but she's Nigerian. Nobody from Jamaica called me Dominica, but you can if you want. Like, But Dominica is a real place in the Caribbean, though, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a okay. whole other island different from Dominican Republic. My dad messed up. He was supposed to name me Dominique because that's the girl version, right? And he just didn't spell it right. <laughs> so I used to spell it Dominique too in preschool. And my teacher came to me and was like, you need to spell it the way it's on your birth certificate. So I was schooled on my own name back in the day. So when people mispronounce it, I don't even give them flack for it. I hear you. I hear you. It's all good. It's all good. But yes, I'm, I'm thankful to be here right now. And uh, I look forward to a great conversation. Me too. So first question yeah. I want to ask you is and this is probably good because you're like chilling now it's a good vibe um let's imagine you're on vacation and it's a solo trip and you have to introduce yourself to someone who has no idea who you are what do you say like who is nathan Bayer? uh sometimes people like to say all their list of talents and want to go and overwhelm people but I would just introduce myself as an artist who is passionate about showing love, receiving love, and doing things that are genuine. So I would just introduce myself as an artist. Um, you know, that can mean MC, that can mean poet, that can mean dancer, and someone who has a great passion for community initiatives and just seeing Black people thrive as a whole. Naturally, I would define myself as an MC. MC meaning, you know, someone who can control the room, control the crowd. Um, so to me, by me claiming I'm an MC is what is me claiming I am an artist, right? And if that person is um, deep into hip hop culture, then they're gonna know exactly what I mean. You know, I'm into a lot of old school from Rock Kim to Nas to Big Daddy King to KRS One, all those guys. So you know what I mean? Yeah, it shows that you are you bring art forward throughout which whichever medium you feel you see fit at the time. I say creative. Because I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I paint, so I'm just a visual artist. Or, you know, like I, I like to use an all-encompassing word. And I think create, being creative is all-encompassing. So I really like the fact that you were just like, okay, artist. Yeah, 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 100%. And I, and I, and I definitely relate to what you mean. I, I think whenever you kind of put yourself in a box, you're limiting your ability to be creative. 
you know, so it's important to just probably define yourself as a creative, where, as I said, as an artist, and let people and let people see that your art can uh, flow through so many different mediums. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. because um, naturally, what I meant by um, that also is, you know, when you're meeting someone for the first time, I don't always we can naturally be very multi-talented people. Mm -hmm. You don't always want to overwhelm someone with saying, "Hey, I rap, I dance, I do this, I do that." Da, 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 da. It's better sometimes I kind of like just keeping it general at first, and then the person gets to kind of understand, wow, you are multi-talented. So it comes off less yeah. cocky, more like they define it through their own stream of consciousness. Yeah. So yeah. That that is true. Um, what got you into because you mentioned, you know, you like to do work for the community as well. So how did you even end up doing that? It's not something I always knew I wanted to do at first. When you're growing up in the hood and you want to be a rapper, you're rapping about cars that you don't own, jewelry that you don't have, and a bunch of money that you don't have, you know, so typical things. And as uh, a young man matures over time, he starts to care more about the words he puts down on the paper. And, you know, you start to make things like I kind of realized making everything about you, you won't really find a purpose on this world. But making, make, using your lifespan to do what is going to support people you will find a lot more of a purpose. And I think when I made the transition of vanity to becoming more into what benefits the world, I started being more conscious about the words I put down. And as far as community, how it even happened was naturally, like I didn't get a chance to explore my community until I was about 15. And that's when I got a chance to be a part of different community initiatives because um, my mom had kept me sheltered being raised in Jane and Finch, I was told this environment is too dangerous, which just really kept me in the house a lot. I wasn't really able to go out, maybe save my life or who knows. But all I know is as I was inside the room, I just kept listening to music and doing music. But at one point I did get an opportunity to leave the house and be a part of this program called uh, Lost Lyrics. Um, and that program was the first time I got a chance to see people rap and dance and do poetry and just feel like, wow, like if this was like what school was like, I'd be a lot more passionate. Um, and that was the kind of first community program that I was a part of, which then inspired me later on to create more initiatives around that kind of programming. Because I recognize what it's like to have so much to say, so much to feel, mm -hmm. but not have a way to express it. Because maybe, maybe immigrant parents don't understand what it's like. You know what I mean? And it's, it's great that you said your dad was an artist. So I would only hope that for your art, he should, he uh, promotes that same support system as well, because an artist will understand another artist, but if your parents don't identify as artists, it could be kind of weird for them to understand this is your way of expressing yourself, right? So, so yeah. that's how I kind of started yeah. from, from just seeing some, what, what, what I could utilize to give other people to utilize as well. I mean, I love to hear, like when people tell me how they grew up here and they were able to lean on community, community has such a heavy and important um, meaning behind it here in Jamaica. I know community initiatives, there's not much money to fund them. And so you don't really have that kind of relationship with a neighborhood or a community where you know, you're able to kind of lean on the programming to help you develop into yourself. So I think that's a very beautiful, beautiful privilege to have here and also very beautiful that it helped you to to um kind of find your way in your journey as an artist and the, the bad thing about community you brought us something great 
a lot of community initiatives are not funded properly, so they don't last a long time. And that program didn't last a long time either. Um, so after, and that's why it's so important for any time you're a part of any community initiative or any programming to soak as much knowledge as you can from it. Because like middle school and high school, it has a time that this is gonna stop. And if you don't take the knowledge that you need to take while you're in that realm, then when it's done, you know those you know those people who are still in their glory days from high school, but it's been ten years since high school. <laughs> like that's what that's what that's what will happen to you if you didn't take the knowledge that you needed to take at that point in time. When it's done, you now life has changed. You're in a different pattern. When when I did leave the that program, there was another program in my community entitled Pima, where I got the opportunity to um, you know get free recording, free mixing and mastering, and a bunch of initiatives for free. And as a 15 year old, of course, I did not have the money or the understanding of how much it costs to really produce music. And that community program did uh, give me the opportunity to do all of that. And mm -hmm. that program as well was taken away from us. And, you know, from there, that's what kind of launched me to be a community activist, the fight to keep that program alive. And then realizing it wasn't going to come back and then realizing, okay, if there's no studios, how are we going to create outlets in the community? But then that's when I partnered um, with this organization named Q that was giving out micro grants in underprivileged communities. And I partnered with them at 16 and I got a bunch of grants from artists in my community to say like, yo, even though we don't have anything in the hood, you can now utilize this micro grant money to go find a studio to go. And a lot of, a lot of creations of art were created from that. So that's when I would kind of say the community activist vibes started from there, yeah. Yeah, I, I was actually thinking about this the other day, like the things that we fight the hardest from for, we fight the hardest for, we're more proactive about, it usually stems from a problem or a gap that we notice, right? And I think that's, that aligns a lot with passion, but you also mentioned the follow-up is so hard when these programs are temporary. So I guess my question for you is what drives you to continue to create with intention with your work? Um, great question. I just think life life doesn't stop and life is an imitation of art. So naturally, there's always something to talk about if you base your art off of the reality of what's going on. And being being a Black person, every time you wake up, the person and the skin that you have gives you a reason to fight. You know what I mean? So there's never a time where I feel like a Black person's pen can uh, dry up because there's always so much history that we're writing in the midst of history. Um, and I think naturally what, what gives me um, a fight is just the concept of every time I look at a struggle, I think to myself, there's another black little boy that is experiencing the exact same thing I'm experiencing. If I don't get through it, how can they get through it? You know, so I get through it, write about it. You see it, read about it, understand you're not the only one, someone that was able to get through it. So I'm able to do it as well, which is why it's so important for us to document everything that we do because so many times they try to tell us about our history. And if you don't have any documentation of yourself within history, you're non-existent. And they're gonna speak about you as opposed to you getting a chance to narrate your own story. Mm. You know? Yeah, I love yeah. that. You know, part of me is making me feel like you're a serious empath as well. Because to be able to do that and feel that for another person coming up behind you, you have to be able to step into somebody else's shoes. So that's that's incredible. and also makes me want to talk about uh, Jane Street Speaks because 
that's another phenomenal, you know, project that you've started. Can you talk to me about like what that is and how that all began? 100%, 100%. Free um, Speaks came from, you know, being in Jane and Finch my whole life and being told how does Jane and Finch sound when we speak? You know, they are, like I said, they always have, they always have a narrative about how we sound, how we talk and how our art sounds. And really and truly, they always select one kind of art to focus on from our community. And I don't believe, and a lot of people call that side of the community gangster rap, but I call it reality rap. Because for these artists to have all these stories about gangs and drugs and so fresh and so on, that must be a reality, you know? And I always say, don't insult community. If you change the reality of what's going on in the community, then the art in the community will change as well. But until the reality is changed, then the art will always sound the same. But naturally, they always have a way of clinging on to the negative aspect. And personally, myself, never sold drugs, never bust guns, never did any of that stuff. But I still found that I still found my truth to be real and to be worthy of hearing as much as I found their truth to be worthy of hearing as well. Um, so I guess James Street Speak started come from the perspective of, you know, I'm a local artist and nobody wants to book a local artist. Right. So I'm like, all right, if no one wants to book me, I'm going to start booking myself. I started booking myself, putting on my own concerts, putting on my own events. And then a lot of artists would ask me, hey, can I open up for you? Can I open up for you? And once again, I started to see a struggle that I share was a struggle that a lot of collectives share as well. So I said, all right, I can't have the world open up for me at all my events. So let me start up an open mic. And then I had to name this open mic. And we just decided to name it James Speaks Speaks because it was just a bunch of people from the West End who wanted to speak and who just wanted the opportunity to be heard. And if no one wanted to hear you, we wanted to hear you. So every event was legit, a collective of like, it was, the room was flooded with artists and it was just a bunch of artists just getting a chance to hear themselves out. And it was a great energy. And then at, at that point in time, I was starting to understand about mental health as well. So I just started to kind of bridge the gap between art and mental health and create events that focus on art therapy. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. That is that is incredible and I mean I want to talk about Aspire to Inspire Later which is another um, series that you release around mental health um, but just to go back on what you're saying the collective the open mics bringing artists together local artists is that is that how you and Randell were able to because this is this is similar to how Randell was able to create a community out of you know keeping a space that wasn't there is that how you guys were able to meet um, I, I've known about Randell for, for, for a long time. Um, and, uh, Randell, Randell came to, came to my community for an event called Freedom Fridays. That is actually, Kofi. uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, oh Kofi, my gosh. Kofi started, literally. <laughs> it's all connected. Rich, rich. Yeah. Yeah. But Kofi's my OG because Kofi's been in Jaden Finch forever. Um, so Randell, so I met Randell there and I, and I thought to myself, yo, this guy's a dope spoken word poet. And um, not only is he doing his art, but he's creating a platform for other artists to do it as well. But though I consider myself a poet as well, primarily I would consider myself a musician. So I, I thought what Randell was doing was great for the poets in the world. And of course, more than just poets, stop by Rise. Mm -hmm. But I felt like what he was doing was great because you go to Rise, you know, chairs, you sit down, you're taking poetry and stand, which is great, you know. But when you came to James Street Speak, you, you, you got a chance to see poets, musicians, dancers, and this, that, and the third. And though that stuff still happens at Rise, when Rise 
considering the founder is a spoken word poet, naturally the artists that are going to come out are mostly going to be spoken word poet. Rise is known more for poetry more than anything. And from seeing Kofi cited an initiative to promote, you know, and Kofi visual art. So the senator, from seeing them do all their things, I'm there like, you know what, yo, I'm going to start my own because I feel like our talents are, are different. And I feel like uh, I'm a very high energetic person. Randall, you can see, is a lot more calm and poised, <laughs> a lot more loud. <laughs> um, and I felt like uh, there needed to be a, a scene for people like myself who, you know what I mean? So yeah, they, they, I, both of them, I actually sat down with both of them before I started anything. And I just asked them, how did you guys do it? Why did you guys do it? How are you guys still able to do it till, till this day? And you know what I mean? Randall's whole thing was about you know, consistency. That's why he's there every Monday. But then I thought to myself, as much as consistency is good, consistency, consistency can lead to um, expectation. Oh, you know what? I'm not gonna come this Monday, I'll come next Monday because it's always there. So I said, I'm gonna create my events a bit more dispersed where it's going to be like you don't know when the next one is coming but you can't wait because the last jam was crazy you know what i mean so that's how i kind of started it off and then uh but yeah all together that's how i met those dudes and they both inspired me until this day he's in ghana right now so big them up <laughs> <laughs> yeah big up all of them because and including yourself because the way i see things you have to attack an issue from different angles in order to sum up to the the solution that's needed and there is no wrong or right angle I think everybody has their purpose so it's very incredible to first of all meet all three of you guys in in very different I guess uh aspects of life separately for me and just seeing how the different purposes that you are um serving in your different spaces how you're commanding your separate spaces to me I'm seeing it collectively just make the scene here in Toronto a better place for black creatives for up-and-coming creatives what are some of the roadblocks that you've faced to get to this point of your journey and by that I don't just mean Jane Street Speaks but this version of yourself who you are uh, the confident version of yourself you mentioned that you're you know high energy and now you're simmering it down and you're into yoga you were telling me about that earlier but what roadblocks did you have to face in order to get there roadblocks um for both when it comes to community initiatives like james Street speaks the number one roadblock is funding you know uh and and that's just natural you know there, there's a lack of care for for community arts initiatives in the city of toronto mm-hmm. um so the, that's the that's the number one problem and a lot of the times you know i I would describe myself as a one-man army a lot of the times. So, because naturally, you know, they always say you want you want to get things done, do it yourself. And sometimes you won't always have a team around you to kind of help you build things. You'll have friends who will pitch in and chime in every now and then, right? So I think my number one roadblock was balancing out being a community person, being an artist, being and being a multi-talented artist. And that's still a struggle of mine to this day. But the more I learn to sustain capital the more I'm able to hire people and outsource the work and not have to do everything by myself. Because um, even when it came to Jane Street Speaks, for all the events, I put all the money up, you know, for every venue, for every this, that, and the third. And, you know, and uh, I can not, I can just say that I'm now, I've now probably banked back in on all my investments. Um, but it's that constant struggle of saying, okay, we don't got funding. Somebody got to put the money up. I'm the one who started that I'm the one who's most passionate about it. So I'm going to put the money up. So literally taking money you make from a nine to five, putting it back and making enough at the door to pay off the venue, 
and not leaving with much, but just leaving with the understanding of you impacting people's life in a positive fashion. And that 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 real sense of impact of knowing, you know, um, that you've impacted people well. Like, you know, like people have come out to the shows and said things like, you know, this show saved my life and this, that, and third. And you never know whether people are saying that seriously or not seriously, but in general, anybody who took any, anything positive away from me doing anything positive, I think that to me is a true definition of a great legacy. So I think it's just for any creative and entrepreneur, that balance of being burnt out, but still having to keep going. And you know what that means? Because when people say things like I've been 10 years in the game or 20 years in the game, it's a real thing because a lot of people quit and I don't blame them. It's hard to be a creative and entrepreneur. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard, but when it's, when it's born inside you, it's a fire that will never stop burning. So you got to constantly keep, the, keep, the, keep it going, you know? Are you always, I guess, confident enough to put yourself out there though or is that something you've had to work on i won't lie in the early stages of my career from performing in middle school or high school uh <laughs> before every performance my stomach would be bubbling <laughs> pure nervousness <laughs> bubbling they'd <laughs> be calling me on stage and i'm in the bathroom and shit but um after after a while the nerves go away and you don't really get nervous anymore it just becomes more this is just what i do you know what I mean? Similar to how someone goes in the office every day. This is just what I do. And it makes me a lot more, it's a lot, it's a lot. It's a, it becomes more fun than nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say I've always been confident, but I've always tried to redefine or restructure or rechange myself on a constant basis by just remodeling myself. What do you it's mean just by modeling. Well, if you don't, the concept of life is to adapt or die right? And uh, you got to adapt to whatever society is attracted to or society defines as lit or whatever it is, the sign of third. And I think it's important to do that while staying true to your morals, you know, because not everything society agrees to, you're going to want to jump on. You know what I mean? Like as a visual artist, if something is hot right now, you're going to want to paint about it. But if it doesn't respect your faith system and your value, you're not going to, you know, put your, put your, time into that so I think the concept of adapting is just to say all right like you know like just in general like adapting with your graphics adapting with your music adapting just being able to stay current and stay relevant you know what I mean in this time and age because you just don't want to be labeled as old and outdated because you keep following a structure that you think works in your head but that people are already past what's the word I think it's like when you're static or crystallized, you're just in one place. You're kind of like not flexible. And the more flexible you are, and some people like to compare it to the properties of water, where you're able to kind of mold based on the container that you're in. Not saying that you're not yourself, but you're able to, you know, allow change to happen without panicking and resisting. That is a more successful way of existing or being. And I, it's hard. It's definitely hard. Um, but basically what you're saying is that's something that's always been on the forefront of your mind. Is re- That's what you meant by remodeling yourself. Yeah, 100%. We all love the 90s. I love the 90s. I love the 80s. I think the music that was created in that era is amazing. But you hear so many times people say, man, I'm stuck in the 90s. I'm stuck in the 80s. They're actually stuck because if you listen to their music, it sounds like it was meant for that era. And as much as it's cool to promote yourself as an old school artist, you have to also be up to the times, as Vice Cartel says, I hope. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just not going to translate well. And artists were able to do that with artists like Michael Jackson. 
that every year that that man was alive, whatever he released just fit. And even until this day, his music is timeless. There's certain music I can play from an a, a, a artist like a KRS-One might not translate well in 2021. And it's, it is what it is. I still love it, but I just know it's not going to create that level of billboard success that these new kids are into. But like I said, you always have to make sure whatever you're doing is with your morals and moral standards, you know? Like, it's just the evolution is crazy. And I'm glad you brought it up because it's true. Because even if you look at, I think Michael Jackson was on the same kind of energy. And all of them, actually, all three of those creators, because Vibes Cartel, before he took that name as an artist, that was actually a group. That was like the, the group, the name of the group was Vibes Cartel. And then he took on that name and went as a solo. He went from um, being a part of Empire to then being a part of uh, creating... Um, uh, creating more, uh, what was it? You remember? Gaza. First, I gotta correct myself one. I had to do my research real quick. So sorry. Cartel left, Cartel started Alliance. He, uh, Cartel was a part of the Alliance with Bounty Killer and then left and then went to big Empire and then Gaza. So I had to just correct myself. Similar to how Beyonce was in the group and then switched and then Michael Jackson was in Jackson 5 and then switched. And as you can see, if you look back every 10 year gap of their artist stream, you will see a new person. Artists like that, they will always they will always be current and be relevant because they have always refreshed themselves. And I think an artist that that redid it now that uh, was able to get a Grammy is Nas, because mm. Nas making an album with Hit Boy got him his first Grammy in 2021. As long as Nas has been in the game, how would you describe? I don't know if you've been listening to Bruno Mars's. Um, well, he's been making hits and songs. But what I do notice, though, is he's been borrowing from different eras. And I know he's been influenced by the greats, uh, James Brown and such. But then I can see him taking from the 70s, from the 80s, from the 90s. Even his recent hit, uh, Leave the Door Open, it's a very 70s feel. So I do see how artists still are also able to go back in time and make it just as relevant now as it would have been then what they do is they, they take from the past they take from the new and they're able to create something that make okay dexter daps last song uh uh she went to big gongale oh my gosh i love that song <laughs> yeah. but that song if you know came from um you remember the artist it came from um okay. wasn't it really? I can, I, no, 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 it wasn't Beanie. It wasn't Beanie. It was, hold on, I got you, I got you, I got you. Call me, me not talk if, down. Call Me If by Dexter Dapps you're talking about. Yeah, Call Me If by Dexter Dapp. Originally, that was a song um, by Louis Culture. Louis Culture created, Louis Culture, if you, if, you listen to that, if you listen to Louis Culture, one of his songs, the hook is from that song. And even on the new remix, he put, he put Louis back on the verse. Um, so naturally, the, the artists have always done it where they say, you know what, let me honor those who came before me, who inspired me to be where I am today. And that's great because we make them relevant again. You know, for a lot of people from Jamaica, it was incredible to see Louis Culture once again on camera. And from him, it, it, give, it, it revitalizes him to a new generation. So I think when artists are able to do that, I think it's a great thing because it's like, damn, this reminds me of back in the day. And it's like, OK, but it still slaps to this day. So. It's almost like teaching new kids old history. It's a fine line between loving that era being and then being stuck in that era. <laughs> Anyways, but um, as far as why artists are, are, are do that, a lot of them, let's be real, a lot of artists can't make music that's current. 
it's, it, it is what it is. You know, a lot, it's uncomfortable to them. It's unnatural to them. They're too stuck in their era. But some artists are able to bring something from the past and make it slap today. And but there's also as much as there's artists who can't make music that's current till today, there's a bunch of people who are not into today's music. So there's a crowd for everything you're trying to do. You mm -hmm. just gotta market it towards that crowd. Mm -hmm. If there's a crowd who only likes boom bap rap and 90s kind of music, then that's the crowd that you have to narrate to. You know what I mean? Um, and, and your market will reach. But if you're more so trying to have more so global notoriety, like a Drake, for example, mm -hmm. you know, like that's when you have to make music that translates well to all, 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 all people. But really and truly, anybody who's making music, it all boils down to marketing, which is what I was trying to say as far as being a creative entrepreneur. It's so many positions that you have to work and hire for yourself that sometimes you know, it's a lot. So getting capital and getting funding to be able to outsource the work because the artist who just is an artist and has a manager, all you got to do is focus on making the music. And then you got to say, I got to make the hottest stuff and you got to go curate the hottest. You got to go curate it. So the better I do my job, the easier I make your job, you know? So it's that, it's that fine balance. But a lot of us don't get a chance to have that because, and also the artist gets paid last, right? I pay the engineer, I pay the mixing mat, I pay for the mixing, I pay for the mastering, I pay the producer, I pay for the content venue. And then after paying everybody, I get paid last. You know, so it's a lot for artists nowadays to be able to, you know, make it to a certain point. I definitely know it's not easy. And um it's funny, I had a weird encounter with the sound engineer once because I was at the time, like I wrote a song. I haven't told anybody this, but I did. And I recorded it. And he was just, I was like, I'm interested in sound engineering. And he was kind of insinuating that I know my place as an artist. And I um, essentially, like, he was making it seem as if the artist, although the center of the creation and the person who is able to bring forth the creation is the least, um, how do I say it? thought of the least thought of in the in the grand scheme and I do know that artists get screwed over a lot you can be popping and then you end up dying broke so you have to be wise with your money it, it actually happens all the time and even if you look back at history TLC had a number one album that sold one million but they were filing for bankruptcy um Outkast number one album the Outkast had the number one album and their album sold a million but they only got twenty thousand dollars from that album because you're paying back every producer, you're paying back the label, and that means you're paying back every videographer, every person you guys hired on set. So labels have a funny way of making it seem like we are paying for this, but no, that's all your money. The moment that you put out the album and the moment that you make the collection of money, but now this is where it, it becomes, the, li the lines get blurred because you're hearing Nathan By released an album and it just sold a million, but yeah, I sold a million, but. I made probably like $20,000 off of it. And then I'm $20,000 and now, you know, there's this expectation that I'm a millionaire who's supposed to take care of everybody. You know what I mean? And then from there, if you don't, you look like a selfish person, right? And then from there, you also got to keep up with whatever society deems as pretty. So you got to buy your ice, your jewelry, you got to cop the house, you got to cop a car. But then $20,000, that is the salary of an 18 year old in a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah it's a lot to keep up with, right? And that's why I kind of appreciate artists 
like a DMX, for example, where you never seen him with a lot of jewelry, you never seen him with a lot of, you know, I mean, a lot of stuff, you know, but he gave back to who he gave back to. So I think for me, it's how you want to define yourself as an artist. If I make it, I'll splurge according to my ability. If my family is all taken care of, then yeah, we can splurge. But you got to take care of your immediate family. And then from there, you know, it's important to want to be Superman, but you have to be super realistic with your money as well. Yeah. Very true. And I, I never thought of this question until now. If you're comfortable with answering, being in the experience of surviving from your craft, is there something that was like, oh, wow, I really have to do this differently in, in the way I manage my money? Money for artists is a real skill, even when it comes to how we file our taxes, we have to figure that aspect out as well, because it's different. Every single time um, I'm booked, I send out an invoice so that by the time it comes, it comes down to um, taxes, you can do a lot of tax write-off. Registering your business so you can do a lot of tax write-off, it kind of helps in the amount of money you may or may not have to pay back um, and how much money you make back as well. Um, but I would say the number one tip I can give to artists that I've tried to follow my best to degree is um, be conscious of how much you are letting people afford to have your time. Because for example, Okay, you asked me to do a five-minute five minute set, right? Now, on a now five-minute set and you ask me, your budget is about $50, right? Now, this is the thing. Um, five-minute set, I'll probably do one or two songs. Now, in the studio alone, it costs 50 an hour to record. So already, what you're paying covered one hour of recording time. That's just one hour of recording time. This song, let's say the song took two hours. So we're now we're at hundred dollars, and then from there I got a mix and master. So we let's just add another hundred. So we're at two hundred, um, mix and master. Then I got to release the song, put it on all streaming platforms. Then I got to promote a song. So it probably cost me about three hundred, and I'm doing two songs for five minutes. So it probably cost me about six hundred dollars altogether. But you paid me fifty. So, in in the aspect of somebody who's working a nine to five, fifty in five minutes is a lot of money. But in an entrepreneur, in an entrepreneur mindset, fifty dollars means absolutely nothing to you. So it's that fine balance of understanding. Currency works different according to the, the life that you live. Because working a nine to five, fifteen an hour, so they're looking at me like, well, on fifty dollars in five minutes—that's crazy. But to even get to that point, the amount of money you have to invest in yourself is insane. So the number one thing I will try to tell artists is look at how much it costs for you to be a creative. And then try to charge guaranteed around your price that it costs you. So that at one point you stop taking the money you make from your nine to five and investing it into your art and your art starts paying for itself. Mm. You know? So it's that fine balance of, uh, of doing that. And it's really bad when you're, we're so accustomed to nine to five money. So we think the money we make from art in a little bit of time, we treat it like it's nothing. But if you look at how much money you spent on recording how much money you spent on yeah. canvases yeah. paint brushes boom 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 when you're selling for your art if you're not making your investment back that's your fault now because once i ask you to book you you get a chance to curate the price that you want mm -hmm. and of course you're gonna have to work with certain people because like i said some people really don't have a budget and you're gonna have to see if every if some if certain things are worthy of your time but i'm starting to understand there's no problem with saying hey no this is under my pay grade I don't have the time for it, but maybe I could refer to I could refer you to somebody that this would work better for, you know. And you got to be okay with that. Even as yourself, I'm sure you know people pull up to you and say, hey, "Can I get a discount for that painting?" And sometimes you got to say, "Nah, me. Holla at me when you got the money. It is what it is." You know? 
It's about knowing your worth too, because even like I find myself saying, oh, an hour, how much do I want to charge for an hour of my time painting? And then I remember someone said to me, like, you're not even just thinking about the moment of painting. You're also thinking, what time did you put in to learn that skill and to develop that skill? It's been years in the making. So putting a number to it is tough to do, but you have to recognize that you're also bringing a lot of value. If everybody could do it, everybody would be doing it. But that's not the case. And so you have to know how to value yourself because how are other people going to value you? So I'm learning that lesson still. All of us are because as artists, we're naturally very giving people. And sometimes you have to understand being selfish is not, it doesn't mean that you don't care about people. It actually means you care about self because you have to sustain self. Because as an artist, everybody wants to take from you. Take, 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 give me, give me, give me. But as an artist, you have to constantly create what they take, right? So mm -hmm. you got to be able to make sure that an hour of painting. And the thing about it is the moment you agree to a contract, people don't care what your feelings. If, if, you, if you accepted to do an hour of painting for me for $25, and then you're like, oh, but you're only paying me $25. Hold on, so why did you accept that? You accept that. You know what I mean? People don't mm -hmm. care about our feelings in that moment. It's whatever we chose to accept. So you got to accept what aligns with your worth because you can't complain if you if you sign for the job. It's like a job that says we pay you $4 an hour. And then you're like, but boss, I put in so much work, I can't get 15. He's like, nah, bro, you signed right here for four. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? So people will naturally do what works in benefit of them. Really rarely in business will people say this deal works great for the both of us. So they're bargaining for everything good for them. You got to bargain for everything good for you. There are some people who are good people who will say, you know, you know what? I rate your craft. I got this much amount of money. This is what you can make off of it back. And boom, boom, boom. And try to try to create a situation where both parties feel comfortable. And that and those relationships lead to long-term relationships where you know that this person has your best interest at heart. You have to be your own, you have to be a self-advocate. As much as you want to advocate for others and as giving as you are, you have to also pour that energy into yourself. Because without you, how do you achieve the things that you want to to help others? So it's a full circle, the whole idea of putting your mask on first before you put anyone else's on when you're in the plane. When you said take, 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 that visual <laughs> made me think like, it's true and it can be a lot. And you released Aspire to Inspire and you mentioned mental well-being. Aspire to Inspire came um, in the first stage of the pandemic in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, we went from physical to virtual. Right. So then from there, I had a meeting with Randall and the Art Gallery of York University, and we created a show entitled uh, Remote Control, which is basically going to be what we do on a regular, but more remote control in that, in that kind of aspect. You know, and it was a show where um, Randall had Randall was doing one week and I was doing the other. And it was a show where um, they gave us a budget to put on four artists a show. Randall did four artists. I, I did three artists and one mental health guest speaker because I was already, that aspect of art and mental therapy was already brewing in my spirit. We did that throughout the whole 2020 and we were able to give out $16,000 to artists. Now, and then later, and thank you to AGYU for that funding. And um, in 2021, um, I kind of started to say, you know what, like I've done this for, I've gotten a chance to see what the budget looks like, what it looks like to curate a weekly event because you know me normally I'm more sporadic. Mm -hmm. You'll hear about it when you hear about it. Kind of keep it jam oriented. 
But this time I'm like, you know what, let me be more consistent. Like Randall is every Monday, I'll be every Tuesday. Um, so uh, Inspire to Inspire came from the aspect of like, you know, that that's why I do everything I do. I just hope to inspire somebody to do better, to be the best version of themselves. And uh, I just know so many creatives that do so many inspiring work. And a lot of the times we don't always get the opportunity to get highlighted or to, or to get paid to get highlighted. And one thing we must remember too is a lot of these weekly events are not paid. Artists are not getting paid for these things. Yes, there's a weekly open mic, but you're not getting paid to go there. You're just speaking. And that's great as well to get your feet wet in the game and this, that, and the third. But what about creating a weekly initiative where artists are getting paid every week to perform? So I contacted um, uh, the, the UFA, the York University Faculty Association, and they gave me my first grant. You know what I mean? And from that grant, Aspire to Inspire came about where every Tuesday, uh, three artists and one mental health guest speaker each are getting $200 to perform and to come speak for five to seven minutes of their time. Um, and it, it, it was great. We did uh, February, uh, we did March, and right now we're in conversation with Jane and Jamal to get more funding so we can keep it going. And by the grace of God, hopefully this becomes a, a, year, a yearly programming because we need art therapy to be able to still feel connected. We need art therapy to, you know, art that is so good that takes you away from realizing you're in a pandemic. And then a therapeutic conversation that gives you tips on how to stay sane throughout the pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Getting a chance to meet so many incredible Black people at the same time. For the month of February, Pure Black Excellence, we booked a lot of people. And then for the month of, uh, uh, not March, but May, it was, uh, March is Women's Month, right? Yes. yes. So, sorry, <laughs> March actually. So, uh, March, we booked uh, a bunch of Black women. Um, you know what I mean? So, it's just making sure that, you know, like Jane Street Speakers is becoming an outlet to support uh, Black folks who have a voice and who want to speak. And uh, yeah, well, I can't wait to get back into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and any sponsor listening, you sound interested. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and sponsor this podcast as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes to that. I mean, that's pretty incredible too. The fact that you're, because I find that the, the process of creating is very therapeutic for me, but designing a program where you're also actually speaking to uh, a mental well-being, uh, would you say expert, if you will, and pairing that with artists, that's pretty incredible. I want to know from you, what are some of the things that come up that you feel are very relevant and through that program about the pandemic and like what what have you been able to apply from hearing um so many conversations around mental well-being to survive not just survive the pandemic but maintain peace of mind yeah the, the conversations that went down during aspire to inspire were very incredible um, I, I took away I took away something from each conversation that was there, and I and I don't think the conversation was just the one with the mental health therapist. I think even when the artists are spoken to, like one thing that we did is um, I made sure that before every artist performs or speaks, that they just touch on one black one black ancestor that inspires them, and one person currently living that inspires them. Just because we I want to be able to create an understanding where yes, we must honor our ancestors by giving them their flowers. But let's also give people their flowers who can breathe to smell them. You know what I mean? So that, 
getting a chance to hear so many different black people big up so many different black people is great and for some of the people that were on there it was awkward you know it was so easy to bring up somebody who died but then to, to, to big up somebody who's living was a bit of a, a, a awkward freeze moment you know what i mean and i think naturally we have an issue around showing people love and showing people their flowers you know what i mean like while they're still here yeah. While they're still here, but then when they pass away, we have this big speech, you know. What I mean? And it's like, well, maybe if you maybe if you told them that information while they were grieving, that could have changed the trajectory of their life, you know what I mean? Because sometimes people need to hear that compliment that you have sitting on your chest there for a reason. Why not express it, you know? So I think that's the number one thing I took away from there. Beyond all the great tips that were, and anybody can go back and see the episodes on our IGTV. Um, beyond all the great tips that were given about mental health, the number one thing I appreciated from it was having a bunch of Black people, big up a bunch of Black people who are living and big up ancestors who have passed away. I got a chance to hear about some ancestors I, I didn't know about and some people living that I think deserve their flowers. So just making sure I show you that love before you pass away, you know, because you never know being Black, right? Unfortunately. That is true. Sharing, sharing the love is important. And then I'm not going to let you get out of this question, but what <laughs> what gives you peace of mind? I mean, right now the pandemic is shifting our reality right before eyes and our idea of normal. And yeah, what 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 are you able to hold on to that is able to give you the peace of mind to sustain yourself through that? Um, like I said, to me, uh, to me, the number one thing that allows you to receive peace is good company. So making sure that you have people around you because one minute with a bad person can feel like an hour and an hour with the right person can feel like a minute, you know? So just naturally keeping people around you who are good for you, who are good to you, will help you get through anything and everything in life. And people who are good to you, it's not just about necessarily having fun. It's about getting work done. You know what I mean? It's about making sure that we're both being productive. We're both we're both making sure that we're advancing in life. You know what I mean? Like, I don't keep company around me where we just sit and play games all day. You know, there's a level of work that has to get done because a lot of the times, you know, I had to really change my circle because I recognize with some people, they're down to have fun and go out to the movies. Like, you know, even guys from high school, you know, uh, you know, they're, they're down to go to STC and chop girls, but then it's like, yo, what about this business plan? No man's are involved. And I kind of recognize with this kind of crowd, you're not going to advance far in life. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's important to just make sure that you have friends that, yeah, we can go out and have fun, but when we sit and we put in work to make something impactful for the culture, we're going to get that done too. And when you celebrate with those people, you really celebrate because you have something to celebrate you. But if your life is a bunch of failure, what are you celebrating? You know, like what is like I don't I don't see what is there to celebrate when we, we haven't done anything yet. You know what I mean? So that's just me. Yeah. Good company is what I keep. Yeah. How do you do you how do you it's, it's hard, hard? Do you find that it's hard to maintain good company now the fact that we're so isolated and we're on the lockdown? Or have you found a way to like for me, I live with family and then I travel back and forth to see my partner in downtown, right? So I'm able to still see people, but I know that not having like the crowded spaces or even like with your events, like being in person has impacted people as well. Have you found a loophole <laughs> is my question. Uh, I, I, I think I found a loophole. I think I've 
disobeyed all kind of laws. <laughs> I disobeyed. I've disobeyed all kind of laws and thank God for my health. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, like okay, the, only, the the number one way I was affected, I would say, is this in-person stuff. I mean, this uh, virtual stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I've always been a virtual person because, like I said, being your own entrepreneur, you got to figure out how to work Instagram, Facebook, social media, laptops from very early. So I always knew how to get along with virtual technology. Um, but yes, it's very different going from being in person to having events online. Like that was the number one way I was affected because. Anybody who's ever been to my events, events, it's jam-packed, jam-packed, bare artists, bare vibes. And it started to curate those same vibes over Zoom. But one skill set that it did bring out of me, it just made me a better, better host. You know, I mean, I, I've had to do a few interviews as well. Um, and really and truly, it just made me a better communicator because you uh-huh. learn to just, you know, really, really have to learn how to communicate and how to navigate through different spaces because it's easier in person because I get a chance to read the crowd, but now I got to read Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? So, but yeah, I would say, um, yeah. And honestly speaking, whichever way you connect, you know, some people are very paranoid about the virus and I understand that aspect, but you know, it's got to be around people who are just around you. So it's like, you know, so it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. But I'm sending love to anybody for that they need a hug, virtual hug. <laughs> it's, I mean, but it's tough, you're right? Like, even being a public speaker, working through Zoom is just a different kettle of fish. You can't feel any vibes. You can't feel, if you're an energy-based person, you're reading from, like, the shoulders up. Sometimes they have their cameras off. Like, you might as well speak to yourself. It's a whole different vibe. But as you said, like, we're sharpening the another set of communication skills and we're being a lot more introspective and intentional and we're in silence even though we're at events like we're in stillness so we're very much connected to what we're saying and how we're coming across we're very much connected to what we look like and how we're presenting and I'd like to think that that's doing well that like when we go back out there into the world (laughs) we'll be that much better at communicating so I think you're you hit the nail on the head there Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, most definitely, you know, and honestly, to everybody who's going hard right now, by the grace of God, people will remember, people will remember you throughout this pandemic, who kept them entertained, who kept, who kept putting out stuff, who kept this, that, and the third. Um, Those things do help a lot because now I can only imagine from all the work I've done virtually, by the time I go back to physical, it's going to be two times the crowd of what we had because it makes, and it makes, it makes people, um, and I'll even add this, like, if you're the kind of person to say, um, you know, complaining about not going out, but every single time your friend had an event, you stayed inside the house, there's a problem there. You know what I mean? And sometimes I feel like this pandemic is a nice reset for people because now the next time your best friend or your friend has an event, um, make sure to go out. You know what I mean? Because you never know when, you don't take, don't take the advantages of these kind of things. You know what I mean? Because now I'm sure a lot of people who missed out on a lot of shows are, are probably thinking to themselves that, wow, like, you know what I mean? I, I wish I was able to be more a part of the scene in Toronto. And then I can understand social anxiety and different things along those lines, but it's important to try to find a, a community of people that you can go to events to and be able to enjoy art because 
there's not a lot you can learn from being inside the house. You got to go out and experience the world for yourself and yeah. come back to the house and you'll appreciate your home more. You know what I mean? Because you've got a chance to take a break from it. So I would just hope that past this pandemic, people actually keep the same energy and say, I'm actually going to go out and not stay and home. Support. Yeah. And support local initiatives because support local before global is what I always say. I always wondered why, especially when, when I moved here from New York, I realized that artists here were saying the same thing. They were saying that they don't get as much support. And if you want to get support, you go to the States. And that's when, like, when you make it there and you can come back and then that's when your home, your home will appreciate you. And I always wondered why, because I'm like, to me, the States and the Canada are so similar, like, economically and just compared to like Jamaica at least why is it that artists here and it wasn't just music it was also I went to like a film festival and the folks were saying the same thing like youth who were making films were saying the exact same thing and I guess my question to you is well actually no I will make this statement the fact that you are creating the antithesis of what that is so you're creating support where there is none that is very important I think it will help to shift the dynamic and you are on the right side of history there um the fact that you exist as well as you're connected with Randall as well as you're connected with Kofi I hope this is helping to paint the picture that I'm seeing for you but I'm seeing that you guys are taking it into your own hands and you're creating something that is blooming the 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 art scene here in Toronto because New York is already popping like the states is already popping so I'm I'm wondering why is it that like there's already there is a mentality of not supporting local why do you think that is it's actually the way the world works because I'll bring you through an example have you ever watched coming to America Mm -hmm. okay when did when did Eddie Murphy become king in that movie he went to America first, and then he was king of Zamunda. In Black Panther, T'Challa had to go to the UN, and then he came back in Black Panther. So naturally, the way that this world works, they have a way of taking you away from home, putting you alone in a different environment, make a name for yourself. When you come back, you're king. Um, naturally, people have a lack of respect for you if they see you too often. The reason why we respect mm-hmm. celebrities is because we don't get the privilege just to see them every day. So whenever we see them, it's like, oh my God, that's a celebrity. But if Chris Brown or whoever lived in your neighborhood, that's just Chris Brown. He just said stuff. But so naturally we have a way of, you know, and it's just a it's just a title. Like for example, I got a chance to go travel to Europe. So when I come back to Toronto, I guess that makes me an international artist, just purely because I got a chance to, to perform over there. Um, but yeah, the world just has a way of not appreciating what they have and only appreciating it when someone else makes it look good. Mm-hmm. And that translates in every aspect, even in relationships, you know, that male might've not been attracted to you until another woman made him attractive to you. And so naturally the world, how it works is whenever you get out, you get out of the city and you come back, people have a different higher rating for you, yeah. you know, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. And America does a great job at supporting their own. Yes. And yeah, they do. you know what I mean? And I would only I would only wish that that would translate more within Toronto, Canada, while and, you know, because a lot a lot of what's been going on is there's one guy at the top and there's just a bunch of people 
climbing the ladder, but nobody is helping or supporting with that ladder structure. You know what I mean? Too many times we have this crab in a barrel mentality where we're fighting each other. You know what I mean? As opposed to supporting and helping out one another. You know, so I would only I would to say that, and that's why I created the hashtag support local before global to say support starts now, not when I make it. Because by then, I won't need your support because I already have a support system. Um, you know what I mean? So, like, if you can't rock with me and I have five people at my events, then keep the same energy when I have 100. You know what I mean? So, it's just that natural energy of just saying, like, and, and supporting somebody who's local should make you want to support them even more. Not say, nah, there's not enough people lined up for their sneakers, so I'm not going to line up where there's not a lineup. No, like, let me be the first one to come in, cop your shoes, take a picture with them, promote your business, and show you the love that you deserve. Because I know for myself, when I'm doing something and one person or two people message me, even if it's just three people, I appreciate them so much. And one thing that I knew from creating events, my first few events were not packed. That came after a set of time. But there's not one event I had that the people that came out didn't feel like they were not appreciated for being there. You know what I mean? You don't appreciate a crowd when they become a hundred people. You appreciate a crowd when it's just one person who shows up for you. Cause from that, and then why people started rating me is because they're like, yo, whether this guy performs in a five people or a six or 10 or 15 or whatever, he gives a level of energy that is highly respected. So it makes people want to go hard for you as much as you're going hard for yourself. So my biggest thing is, yeah, support local before global and do what you got to do. Honestly, I um, you made me think about even in the context of Jamaica, the fact that Bob Marley is so huge. And guess what? He wasn't huge in Jamaica until he was huge abroad. And that's when Jamaicans started loving him. So that is it is a hu- it's human nature, I guess. Um, taking it back to Jesus, you know, like his own people. Ah, they didn't believe him until he came back and died. <laughs> also, you're really real. <laughs> yeah, right. Water I turned into wine. All that. That didn't mean that. <laughs> well, you know what? We can only like try and lead the life that we want by example, and I think that you're doing that really well. So I want to wish you and give you all the positive vibes and all the wellness around the movement that you're creating because it's a very impactful, not just for yourself but for the community here in Toronto so much respect for that much love life on hi-fi what that essentially means is what keeps you motivated to keep going what keeps you energized and sparked um what keeps what makes you feel the most alive right Nathan what has your life on hi-fi my daughter has my life on hi-fi wow you never told, I think I, you need to expand on that. You can't just drop that <laughs> gem and leave it there. How okay. so? Um, well, naturally, I said it in one of my songs, I said, um, it kind of went from being about me to, I created a legacy. Like I, my legacy, I said in a song, my legacy used to lie in my hands until I created legs, hands that would oversee my legacy. And I think with, with, with that, what I'm trying to say is, um you know like naturally if you're a person who doesn't have children your name is going to be as important to this world as the work you leave behind but now when you create a child they're a part of your legacy as well 
And in order to invest in that child, you must have something to give that child. And I can never stop working, right? I can never stop doing anything I do until I've secured a level of capital or whatever. But in general, though, like um, to invest into a child, you got to have some gift to that child. So the more I pour into me, the more I pour into her. And it creates a cycle, right? Because as a daughter, she's going to naturally want to take care of her father. But I got I to gotta do all taking care of in the beginning. <laughs> um, so naturally, um, I, I think like, you know what I mean? Like children will always be the number one motivator. And yes, my daughter, because that's my flesh and blood. But of course, children as a whole all together in this world, like they're, they're my motivators because I just know what it's like to be a young black, a young black child and not fit in the description of what it's like that what you should do. Because I didn't play, I didn't play uh, basketball growing up or whatever this, that, and third. Like I danced and I did poetry. So it didn't, of course that doesn't resonate well to people, you know, but there's not a one size fit all format for what a black man is supposed to be. So to be able to help a young black child curate their life in the aspect where yo, you decide who you want to be, who you want to become, like I think that's the number one thing that keeps me on a high. If you haven't already, hit subscribe so you'll get notified when there's a new episode. I pour a lot of love and time into this to make great content for you. And so I could really use your help. To let others know about this podcast and grow the life on Hi-Fi community, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow at Life on Hi-Fi on Instagram, and of course, share with your tribe. Thank you. And as always, stay Gucci, stay fly, and keep creating.